Hey, everybody, we are Black in Business. My name is Justin Jackson, and I am here alongside my co-host, Brandy Permenter. While you're here, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Also, please give us a follow on Instagram at blackinbusiness.jb. All right, let's get right into it. So this episode is going to be about how sports has played a role in the Black Lives Matter movement and vice versa. While most of what we'll cover will be about what has most recently happened and what's currently going on, we want to make it exceedingly clear that this is nothing new. Sports has played a role in the overall push against Black injustice for a long time. We've all heard about the National Football League's unsigned quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, and his peaceful protest by kneeling during the national anthem before games. Additionally, in 2014, National Basketball Association players wore shirts that said, I can't breathe, as a gesture of solidarity for the family of Eric Gardner, a 29-year-old unarmed Black man who was killed by an NYPD officer after being restrained in a chokehold. And that's just the beginning. Yeah, we can't even have this conversation without starting with Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who were two African-American athletes during the 1968 Summer Olympics that was held in Mexico City, uh, who came first and third in the 200 meter, uh, respectively. Uh, But during their medal ceremony, they both held up a black gloved fist during the national anthem, uh, showing solidarity with the civil rights movement that was going on at the time, which did come with repercussions. They were sent home immediately and and, uh, stripped of their medals, which just goes to show the attempt at silencing uh, athletes in in their space when they're trying to speak out for social justice. Yeah, athletes are given this unique platform where they can really reach a large amount of people. And it's nothing new that this is that this has happened and it's happened in the past. It's just now I think it's even bigger, especially as these athletes reach more and more fame, but then also not the same repercussions that, you know, those track runners face. So it's really interesting to see how sports has played a role in the overall movement. Yeah. And I think it's great that athletes do use their platform to say things that they believe in. But I think it's also interesting to note that just like, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, Colin Kaepernick and the NBA players that wore the shirts did have some some backlash, obviously right. not of the same caliber. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Colin Kaepernick being blacklisted from the league um, and that being kind of uh, behind the curtains thing for a lot of the teams. Uh, but also there were players in the NBA who were against other players wearing the shirts, you know, so it's uh, it just goes to show that there are people that are against these things and try to, to hush athletes in these spaces. But it's it becomes more and more clear every single day that they need to use that space to show their solidarity with the movement that's going on right now. No, yeah, for sure. And currently right now, there's been more and more talk about the Confederate flag and its place in sports and its place in uh, the United States in general. So, you know, just to give some back story on the Confederate flag, um, Beginning in 1860, a collection of southern states seceded from the Union and formed the Confederate States of America. Um, What initially prompted the secession was the continued debate over the expansion of slavery throughout the states. And after the secession, civil war soon broke out. And after a considerable amount of battlefield losses, the Confederate States of America began to collapse. And on April 9th, 1865, Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general, surrendered to the Union and the Civil War was over, and the Southern and Northern states were back and joined together, 
But people, a lot of people still hold on to that flag that is supposed to represent the Confederate States of America and Southern heritage. So it's kind of, there's a lot of conflicting views on it and why it should or should not have a place in American society. Yeah, I don't think that people actually realize the symbolism that goes into it because they have associated it with some sort of heritage or a piece of their family. Uh, when in reality, the thing that their family was supporting by having a flag was white supremacy and racism um, and constantly trying to op- oppress blacks and obviously slaves at the time, uh, but continued to advocate for or try to be a part of racism and discrimination as you know time continued, um, you know, with the Emancipation Proclamation being signed and uh, the, abol- uh, the abolition of, sa- of slavery, those, those things were prominent in obviously Southern states because they didn't want it to go away. Uh, but what blows my mind is that people today think that it's a sign of their family or it's or Southern some heritage. Sort of, yeah. Right. Some sort of symbol of their heritage and try to claim it as, as a flag of their people when in reality, it just goes to show hate and, like I said before, oppression of Black people and racism. Um, yeah, and- I don't think that people intentionally are really realize that. I think, again, this goes to perspective in that they don't see the perspective in that this is a symbol of racism and discrimination. They think that it's, oh, just Southern pride, but this were used by people who wanted to oppress Blacks, enslave Blacks, and so it is offensive to Black people and to have in sports and everyday life in wherever they bring the flag and put the flag up and state flags, all that. It's well known throughout the world that the Nazi flag and the Nazi symbol is really offensive to lots of people, clearly people of the Jewish faith. And it's not like Germany pride or anything like Germany pride or anything of that nature, but people who parade this, the symbol around in this country and in other countries are known as Nazis and it's a bad thing and it's clear. But if you have the Confederate flag, it's just Southern heritage heritage or Southern pride. And I think that people would think that comparison is drastic because, you know, the Holocaust and the Nazi flag, but again, perspective in that, you know, slavery, the countless amount of people that lost their lives, not only coming here, but then being beaten and whipped and raped and all of that. So, and that I mean, the, is... the comparisons, they, they, they don't pale to each other. Like it's, it's very, there are very strong similarities, obviously families being ripped apart, uh, children getting put to work, um, having, you know, like you said, the rape, the dehumanization Meetings. of people. It's, it's yeah. very similar. And, and when people try to, to take away from that comparison, it's clear that they don't actually understand the history between the, the two events. Relating this back to sports, since we've gone through the history of it a little bit, um, NASCAR has recently banned all Confederate flags at all of their races and events. They said in a statement, the presence of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events runs contrary to our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all our fans, our competitors in our industry. Bringing people together around a love for racing and the community that it creates is what makes our fans and sports special. So obviously NASCAR realizes that this, that the Confederate flag is not welcoming or inclusive for all fans. So 
they have decided to ban it. Obviously, some people don't agree with this, but, you know, hopefully people will begin to see why things like this have been done. Yeah, I love this statement. I honestly, I think that it's clear to them that they understand that their following is more Southern based than any other part of the country, but know that they need to reach those people and tell them that this is not appropriate. This is not allowed. This is beyond bounds of okay. Um, And they don't want that to be a part of what NASCAR is, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that them taking this stand is a huge step in changing people's minds and in bringing some inclusiveness to, to their sport. Uh, along with their fans as well. Uh, but I think that this is something that other places have done for a while. Obviously, the the sight of the Confederate flag isn't something that a lot of people want. And the NCAA is clearly an organization that wouldn't want that because they have young people in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they banned it from all championship sites back in 2001. Uh, but at the time, the states that were affected were Mississippi and South Carolina, Uh, South Carolina did take a a little bit more time having to deal with this because they have it. They have the Confederate flag within their state flag. Uh, So or had it. And in 2015, when the mass shooting of the members of the Emmanuel African Methodist Church happened, they stopped flying the Confederate flag at the Capitol, which allowed them to host uh, events. But it is very tragic that something like this had to happen for them to realize what the symbol actually means and how it affects people and and the the visual representation that comes with it and the association that comes with it afterwards so obviously it's a good thing that they got to that point uh, and are able to host events and because there are plenty of schools in in south carolina that could you know be host for events uh within the acc for sure so it's it's a good thing that they got to that point, but it is said that an event like that had to happen for them to to get with uh, get with a get with the times, but also be in coordinates with this NCAA rule. Right. And NCAA recently just came back out saying that their policy includes all championship sites, no matter what the award or competition is. And that kind of singled out Mississippi a little bit. But, you know, they're saying doesn't matter whether it's predetermined or happening on the fly there's not going to be a championship site that has the Confederate flag present in their flag. And the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, said in a statement, we must do all we can to ensure that NCAA actions reflect our commitment to inclusion and support of all of our student athletes. There can be no place within college sports where any student athlete is demeaned or unwelcome. So again, another organization that has realized the weight that the Confederate flag carries and why it shouldn't be, you know, welcome in any sort of environment, whether that's sports in this case, but in anything where there's a big group of people and you want people to feel welcome and included. Yeah. And organizations having these responses to the movement, to the Confederate flag, to anything that is somewhat endangering to to black people is so important um, and I think that professional sports has started to get with that, especially the last couple of weeks or especially in the month of June, Yeah. Um, you know, with some different initiatives during Juneteenth or different statements that teams have made. Um, and one that stood out to me uh, was the response of the president and CEO of the Red Sox, Sam Kennedy, because Boston is a place that is known for their 
really aggressive fans. Uh, obviously, there's other places like uh, Philly, uh, New York, but Boston has been notorious for their intense fan bases, and it has been proven beyond belief that they have a lot of cases of racism or uh, derogatory terms said to players. Uh, but the Red Sox president said in his statement uh, that he's been struggling to find the right words to express the profound anguish, outrage, and confusion we're all feeling in the wake of the heartbreaking incidents that have occurred across the country over the past few months. The senseless killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor are stark reminders that racism and p- police brutality continue to be pervasive in America. He also went on to commend his the teammates that he has uh, on his team, plus the players on his team uh, that were in protests uh, that were shining spotlights on injustice. And I think this is super important because when you are in charge of a fan base or in charge of a team that has a fan base that is known for things like this, it goes to show what you're actually standing for and who you're standing for um, and understanding that there is a problem. And I like that this statement said their names. You say George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor, because let's not tiptoe around the situation. You know, let's not say, oh, we, you know, we don't accept any form of racism. Like, go out there, which I agree with, but go out there and say, plainly say, you know, these were senseless killings. This is ridiculous what is happening. And this is a reminder, you know, to everyone that racism is a real thing, police brutality is a real thing, and we need to do something about that. So that's what I really like about this particular statement because of it's just outright, here's what it is, and let's not, you know, try and be politically correct. And not that he wasn't, but, you know, sometimes people try to not just go out and say it because they're afraid of how it's going to come across. So I really like that he just, you know, said it. So not even a week after that, uh, Tory Hunter, who is a former major league outfielder discussed, you know, the things that he had heard in Boston, you know, he came out with a statement saying that he had been called the N word in Boston a hundred times. And that this is an experience that he's had and that this stuff isn't new. Uh, But also saying that he had not wanted to speak up on stuff because people would have called him things like militant, a liar, you know, saying that stuff like this doesn't happen. Uh, But he said, And I quote, no, it happened all the time from little kids and grownups right next to them not saying anything. Uh, So and this uh, this is part of what he said, that he had a no trade clause in everything that he everything that he could have in his power to not go to Boston because he didn't want to be associated with people or teammates that have been in that environment. Yeah, I definitely think what Tory Hunter had to say provided a lot of great perspective because we always think about how sports has played a role and how uh, the movement has played a role in sports, but also how does it affect athletes and how do fans play a part in that as well? You know, Tory Hunter faces this at a professional level and I know myself in playing youth soccer, you know, never was I called the N word, but there were definitely times that things, racial things were said to me, you know, as any way to win a game. So not only are professionals faced with it but youth and I'm sure in collegiate sports too I haven't faced that so far but that's a real issue that athletes have to face yeah and I think it's even more important that the Red Sox took time to respond to his story 
um, they went and made a, a Twitter post about it and said, Tory Hunter's experience is real. If you doubt him because you've never heard it yourself, take it from us. It happens. Last year, there were seven reported incidents at Fenway Park where fans used racial slurs, and those were just the ones we knew about. So they were you know, taking responsibility for things that have happened in their stadium, but then went on to talk about how they have well-established consequences for fans that use racial slurs and hate speech in our venue, and we know we have more work to do. This small group of fans does not represent who we are, but are rather a reflection of larger systemic issues that as an organization we need to address. So not only were they, you know, again, saying that this is a serious problem and we know that it happens, but we have things in place to try to make it better, but we know we need to do more, which in and of itself shows that they understand the problem and are doing whatever they can to fix the problem. No. Yeah. I love when organizations make statements that have action steps not only do we see that it's an issue, but hey, we're going to, this is what we are already doing and this is what we plan to do. I think that that really shows that it's not just an insensitive comment, but that they really, you know, mean it and want something to come out of it. But um, the NFL is another organization that kind of has spoken up about this. And the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, said in a statement, we, the NFL, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of Black people. We, the NFL, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the NFL, believe Black lives matter. So this is interesting because of what happened with Colin Kaepernick and course, he got a lot of, of backlash for it and it wasn't at the time seen as a peaceful protest. People just automatically were against it and now... It's, oh, we encourage that and we encourage peaceful protests. So it's interesting to see how the tables have turned because, you know, a mass amount of people have decided to speak up all at the same time. Right. And I think the even more interesting part of that is not using his name in this specific space. Obviously, it's easy for us to associate them saying NFL players and not listening earlier. And not listening earlier with Colin Kaepernick because he was clearly trying to spread this message four years ago. Uh, but on top of that, they should have said his name, you think? Well, they definitely should have been saying his name. But on top of that, the 49ers decided that they were going to put out one of those black squares that people were doing on Blackout Tuesday back on June 2nd. And that got some serious backlash. Obviously, the 49ers were the team that he was playing for uh, at the beginning of all of his uh, protesting protests and his, his peaceful movements and you know he sat out a lot of different games for a lot of different reasons but this seemed to be one of the prevalent reasons as to why he was sitting out mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people gave them backlash for just putting out the black square and since they haven't put out a statement of their own about black lives matter or about the killings or about anything um, they have retweeted a couple statements from one of their foundations, but haven't put out a statement themselves. And the backlash they got for these, uh, for just for the post in and of itself, was pictures of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, pictures of him and other players taking a knee, saying things like, they should delete this. Uh, you could have held back when he started this, but you chose not to. And not and, to support him and stand behind him. Really. Yeah, and it just it just shows that they were jumping on the bandwagon when they decided when everybody else started saying things uh, rather than 
you know, being proactive in a time where it was clear that this stuff was, you know, still prevalent in in today's society. The Redskins actually got thrown into this scenario as well because they did the same thing without putting out an official statement. Just posted and, a black square. Yeah, and people yeah. were uh, uh, rightfully up in arms about it. There was a couple comments about how teams with racial slurs in their names shouldn't be in protests that have to do with racism. Uh, it's been a long known fight that people want them to change their name. They haven't. There mm -hmm. are obviously different alternatives they can go with. There are other professional teams in Washington that have taken the time to change their name or there's teams everywhere. Pick, pick that have, yeah. There seems right. everywhere that have changed names, changed locations. Or just pick the name that, that. that wasn't offensive. Obviously during the time of, of them creating their team, it was one thing, but now with you know education and, and realization of these things, you would think that that would be something that they, they would do. But since they haven't, and this was something that they decided to post, people were like, this seems insensitive from a team that doesn't seem to care about what they're putting out there on, you know, with their, their team, their gear, whatever, you know? Yeah. So there was some, there was some serious backlash from those two organizations specifically for obvious reasons. And I think that Blackout Tuesday kind of gave people that platform to say something, but not really say something because so many people posted a black screen, but then that was it. We move on mm -hmm. to the next thing. Um, nothing else. And it was kind of just people did it because everyone else was doing it. So for people who don't know on June 2nd, it was blackout Tuesday on social media. So everyone posted a black screen and this kind of just inundated all of social media. So it was kind of everyone's way to say something about black lives matter, but not actually say something. And so a lot of places and organizations posted this, but didn't do much further. And I think we kind of ran into this issue with our own, athletics department at Nova Southeastern University because they did the black screen as well but it took a while until we got an actual statement from them and when they did release that statement at least in my opinion it seemed insensitive and not genuine because you know again how we talked about we love organizations who don't tiptoe around it but our school did our athletic department did and didn't just plainly say you know what's talk about what's going on you know, specifically what's going on in the Black community. And they didn't really provide much action steps that they're going to do to change it either. Yeah, and I think that our athletic department's statement in and of itself did tiptoe around the point. I think they were trying to say that they were standing with us, but at the same time, there was no indication of that. And the same thing goes for the statement that our university put out in and of itself. It just was simply a blanket statement um and that was that one came after the first statement which was just about protests that happened in fort lauderdale where one of our buildings sustained a certain amount of damage and it really wasn't even that much damage from what i was told and i think that that just goes to show people will find spaces to be indifferent and when you are indifferent that just shows that you don't really care about what someone is being so passionate about, especially if you want to take the time and, and say that you advocate for diversity and inclusion, because that's what Nova says all the time. They yeah, are always our talking core value. about, yeah, it's one of, one of our core values and how we uphold all these things in our core values. It, but yet by not putting out a statement that has to do with 
Black Lives Matter or specifically talking about the people who have been affected by police brutality, um, it just goes to show that you're indifferent Mm -hmm. and that's not what you're preaching all the time. And that's not what all of your hold music says. And that's not what all of the signs on our, on on our campus say, you know, so. And that's not what black people in the movement need. We don't need indifference. We need people behind allies behind the movement that are willing to say, okay, I stand with you. I support you. I'm going to be a part of this. Not like, Oh, I'm just going to, you know, I recognize it, but you know, kind of just leave it there. Right. It's, it's like you said the other time, the other day, it's not about the moment. It's about the movement. And Mm if you're just going to sit here and be a part of the moment, then nothing's really going to get done. And And that's what happened on Blackout Tuesday. People wanted to be a part of that movement or that moment, that moment of being a part of this that everyone's doing. But then when it came to the actual movement of Black Lives Matter, then, you know, you hear crickets for a while and then you might get a like insensitive statement. But I think when we talk about the action portion of the, of the movement, uh, our town hall meeting that we did have with our athletic department was helpful. I think we yeah. had some good conversations about what was important, what we needed, the support that we needed, and what places we could get that from and how our athletic department could make those changes. And it's it was clear that those things came from us to them because it it felt like they needed that. They needed the voice of their black athletes to say things that they didn't realize because they can't. It's not but something I, that they can I appreciate realize. them coming to us and saying, okay, we want to hear from you guys. Because in our athletic department, there's not a lot of black representation. No. And so at least coming to the athletes and saying, what do you guys think? What do you guys want out of this? I think that was really important and really, it at least showed some sensitivity that they have towards the subject. That was that was a big part of it. But I also think that having our other athletes reach out to us afterwards, I had a couple that reached out and asked what kinds of things they could read, what kinds of things they could watch to get more information. What can they share with their teammates who aren't getting it as as well as they did? And that in and of itself gave me some sense uh, of happiness and some sense of of relief that there were people that were hearing the conversation and getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you know, it can just get trickled down because when one white teammate says it to another white teammate, they're going to get it's going to receive a little bit better from the person who's less likely to change because someone that's like them is saying something that they need to hear. So I did I did think that it was good that they were listening and that they took that in and took it to heart and showed that it was actually important to them. Because like you said, it's like a trickle down. If we continue the conversation and we talk about it and someone hears it and then someone else talks about it to someone else and it just keeps going after that. And then we can really continue to, you know, push this, you know, stopping black injustice and really inform people of what's going on and hopefully really elicit real change. Yeah, I really I really hope that these things continue and these strides continue in not only our own space, but throughout sports, because like we said, sports has a huge impact and a huge space on so many different sections of this country. And the more sports we get involved, the more people that we reach, which, you know, will always be a good thing. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast. 
Also, please remember to follow us on Instagram at blackandbusiness.jb. DM us and comment on our pictures to let us know what you guys think. We love your feedback. Continue to be a part of the conversation and share it with your friends and family. Thank you again, and we are Black in Business.